Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Thank you for tuning in to the second piece of our series with Dr. Adam Woods, the phenomenal psychiatrist that we heard from last week. If you didn't listen to that episode, go back because it is so full of goodness and you kind of need it to lead into today. So today we're going to go through number two through five on Dr. Adams' five steps to well-being. You're going to love it. Stay tuned. Number two is sleep. So sleep is highly underrated in Western medicine. Eastern medicine has known this forever, okay? But highly underrated in Western medicine for how powerful it is, okay? When people aren't sleeping well, I will say to them, if I could change nothing else about your picture except making you sleep better, you would get better. Now, how much better I can't say, but I promise you, you will get better. This whole like four or five hours thing, oh, I don't think I need it and whatever else. Look at what else is going on in your life, okay? And so the number one problem with sleep in the modern world is technology, okay? So the American Academy of Pediatrics, and it works for big kids too, (laughs) recommends no screens at least an hour before bed, no screens in the bedroom, which I know is like, you know, heresy. If you're sleeping fine, then I don't care what you do. But all that light, even if you wear blue tinted glasses and all that interesting stuff on there, that's the number one cause of insomnia. So two books I want to highly recommend to any listeners. The best book ever written about sleep in the history of the world, all right, is called Quiet Your Mind and Get to Sleep by a woman named Colleen Carney, who I don't know, so I don't make any money if you buy her (laughs) book, okay? It's just amazing. That is the best how-to guide for sleep you'll ever find. The second book is called Why We Sleep by a UC Berkeley professor named Matt Walker. Now, Matt Walker has done the rounds. He was on Rogan. He was on Sam Harris. His book will sell you on why sleep is good. So it's not that much a how-to, it's a why sleep is important. And most books that talk about research make you wanna whack your head against the wall. They're so boring. His book is awesome and I love Audible. I am admitted, I am like totally addicted to Audible. His Audible book, and for those of you listening and not watching me, I'm doing air quotes. I could not put it down, okay? It was so amazing. So Walker's book just was life transforming for me. I'm not kidding you when I say, if I could go back to medical school, there's a thousand things I would change. But one of the big things I would change is I would have slept way more. So I was that guy that was staying up late, getting up early, because I wasn't a science major. I had literal geniuses in my medical school class at Duke. And so I felt way behind. And here's the thing, I was probably retaining a fourth of what I was studying. So I could have slept more, studied less, and I would have actually done better. So that's just bad math all the way around. So number two, and it's worth prioritizing, is sleep. And I'll mention sleep when we come to number five, okay? Number three is exercise, okay? When I say exercise to a Western audience, 
you all are thinking marathons, bench presses, yoga, all of those things do count as exercise. But I'm an evolutionary psychologist by training, all right? Your body doesn't know exercise. It knows moving, not moving, okay? So if you don't think of it as exercise to walk your dog, play with your kids, park farther away when you're at the grocery store, take the stairs, all of those things count. Our ancestors did not exercise, okay? 100,000 years ago on the savannas of Africa, nobody got up in the morning and went, I'm gonna run 20 miles for no reason. Nobody did that. They lived very active lives. And I'm guilty of this. I sit in an office doing mostly telehealth all day long. We need to be moving our bodies, even if it's just walk around the building every time you get a coffee break. Really, people always want me to tell them what is the right number for exercise, okay? But let me tell you, you've probably heard like 30 minutes five times a week or something like that. Let me tell you, the study that came from was hilarious because it actually showed 60 was better than 30 and 90 was better than 60. Well, is 120 better than 90? I don't know. They didn't do the study beyond that. The, the outcome said 90 is better than 60. And then literally in the study, it basically says, well, we can't tell people that 90 is better. No one's going to do it. Let's dumb it down for people uh. and tell them 30 minutes because they might actually do it. So here's the thing. I don't think you, your listeners and my patients, I don't think that you're dumb enough that I have to boil it down for you and say and lie to you about what the outcome is. So is more better probably if you don't hurt yourself or become obsessed with it, all right? But just move your body more. And I uh, used to exercise a lot. Like I was a competitive weightlifter. I used to do triathlons and I still love that. But now I'm in my 40s and I try to be as active as I can with her and then keep my body moving. I actually have, if I were in my office, I'd show you. I actually have a treadmill desk. So keep your body active, okay? So that's yeah. number three. Number four is good diet, okay? So this is my big specialty. I could bore you into a coma right, <laughs> with as much information about this like it, but I won't, okay? There's a lot of good resources out there. There's a wonderful website called nutritionfacts.org. Nutritionfacts.org is run by a physician named Michael Greger. He is the most type A, like hilarious, like uh, physician ever. He has a great YouTube channel. He has, his website is amazing. He's very quirky. Like, you know, he does, it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> kind of funny. His, his videos are all short. It's a great resource. And then, um, but it's pretty advanced. And like, you can get, he has a couple of books that are amazing. One is called How Not to Die. And the follow-up is How Not to oh, Die It. I've so, read that. Now, so, yeah. They're, they're like the size of the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> so, so honestly, for beginners, I would recommend The Start Solution by John McDougall. Here's the short version of the story. Again, I can bore you into a coma, but I won't. The short version of the story is that all of the named diets, keto, paleo, Atkins, Mediterranean, South Beach, nonsense, no science behind any of it. Anybody who tells you, oh, there's good studies about, no, they're lying to you. They're, they're absolutely not. Even the plant-based ones that are closer, vegan, vegetarianism, they're closer. But you can eat a lot of garbage and still be a good vegan. Mm -hmm. So Twizzlers and Oreos are vegan, just so right. you know. And I was right. a vegan, I was a vegan for years, okay? And technically I still eat a plant-based diet, but I don't, I try not to use the V word anymore because the actual thing, if you look at the data, uh, we really haven't had large access to processed food until after World War II. Mm -hmm. So if you look at what's happened since World War II, you know, obesity, heart disease, diabetes, stroke, cancer, all of them on the rise, okay? So before that, not many people had access to heavily processed food except for kings, queens, emperors, popes and so forth. What did those people die of? Heart disease, diabetes, right. cancer, and strokes and so forth, right? So the I tell people that diet is not a zero-sum game. And what I mean by that is it's not like 
Uh, if you can't do it perfectly, you shouldn't do it at all. People get this vision, like if I can't do it perfectly and just eat microgreens that are organic, watered by the tears of angels, <laughs> I'm just gonna eat double fist cheeseburgers all day. It doesn't have to be that way, okay? So, and, and this is where, where Dr. Greger is great. Uh, he'll talk about how they did studies where there are people that they gave them like big greasy steaks and they had them eat, you know, half of them just got the steak and half of them got a cup of blueberries ahead of time. And the badness was so much less mitigated by the berries because the antioxidants in the berries are so powerful. So it doesn't have to be, you want to be go for less processed food, not zero <laughs> processed food. My last shout out will be to the man that really taught me how to do therapy and really got me into this is a man named Doug Lyle. Okay, so Doug Lyle, you can find him online, esteemdynamics.com or org, I'm not sure. He and his partner, Jen Hawk, do therapy kind of stuff, but they also are big into this plant-based nutrition. And Doug and Jen are much more middle of the road. They're not like the way out there, you know, like eat nothing with a shadow kind of vegans. But they also aren't going to lie to you and say, oh, yeah, you know, eat all the steak you want. It's fine. But now, now why does it affect our mental health? We can all understand why it affects our physical health, right? If you eat the food that your, your species was evolved to eat, we can understand why physically we'd be doing well, right? So zero animals in nature are obese. Zero, not one. Zero, okay? In fact, there's only three animals that are obese, dogs, cats, and humans. Where do they all live? right? Together, right? in the same thing. Now, if you take an animal and you put it in the zoo and you feed it food, not natural food, it gets fat, it gets sick, it dies of diabetes, heart disease, cancer, stroke, and so forth. It's science. It works, doesn't it? Okay. Yeah. So, so all of this to say that, that again, we want to do less processing. It affects our mental health because yes, our physical health is better and therefore we feel better mentally, but all the neurotransmitters in our brain that the medicines that I prescribe work on, serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, they come from somewhere. They're in our brain, right? How'd they get there? It's not magic. They came from the food that we eat. Our body makes them. So if you feed your body what it was evolved to eat, everything works better, okay? Mm -hmm. And then number five, last but not least, my absolute favorite is meditation. Some kind of a meditative process. Now, I teach what's called mindfulness. I became certified. I teach mindfulness. My wife is from this weird little town in Southeast Iowa where they do transcendental meditation. That is fine. They will tell you that their stuff is better. They paid for their studies. It's right there on the study. It, the, the TM movement paid for it. But I'm not saying it's bad, okay? In fact, when Dean Ornish did his studies, he's one of the big plant-based guys. When he did his studies in the 90s, they had all kinds of other meditative things like contemplative prayer, walking in the woods. And do not think you have to be a Buddhist or a Hindu to meditate. Every major religion, the, the Sufis in Islam, the, um, you know, the mystics in Christianity, like Francis of Assisi, Ignatius of Loyola, you know, uh, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, right? So all the major religions have this meditative component, all right? And meditation is kind of what I came to last. I totally wish I would have known about it 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Something else I would have done a lot differently in medical school is I would have meditated every day. I would have done way better if I had. Okay, so why is meditation so powerful? There's a thousand reasons, but here's the big one. I'm going to tie it back into two of the previous things. Okay, there's two reasons. I said one reason, two reasons. <laughs> Number one is, if you think about it, meditation is therapy with yourself. So remember I said therapy was the king, the queen, the undisputed heavyweight champion, right? So think about this for a second. When you talk to a therapist, what do you do? You put your thoughts out of your head into the room, and then you and the therapist talk about it, and you parse through it, and you think, okay... I think out loud, what should we do? What about this? What about that? When you're meditating, you do that with yourself. 
Okay. And so it's like doing therapy with yourself. The second big reason about meditation is people's sleep tends to improve dramatically. And remember, sleep was number two. So I always tell people, except for having children, I'm not overstating this. Nothing in my life has been more powerful than getting serious about my meditation. And I don't do it nearly as much as I wish that I did. Someday, I'm going to dedicate much more time. But even though my own life improved so much by meditating, my sleep also got a lot better. I can't for sure say it wasn't the sleep playing a bigger role, but both of them are good. Okay. You know, I read a book about it. I have this mind that doesn't like to stop. Yeah. And, and when you talk about sleep, I mean, I can take everything out of my room. It's been happening since I was a little girl going to bed in a dark room with one book to read or whatever. Um, it just is really, really hard. And so, and I know a lot of people say this about meditation. So I love to jog. So I, I feel like I get into a meditative state when I'm jogging and right. I don't listen to anything. Does that count? Absolutely. And, and yeah. also, like sometimes if I listen to something, like to get my mind, you know how you can find meditations online. Mm-hmm. And so when you say meditation, I just, it's really hard and I keep working on it for me to quiet my mind and to not get mad at myself in the oh. middle of it. So that any advice? Be- that was a beautiful segue. I was actually just going to talk about that. Perfect. So one of the things I would say, just so I don't lose it, because I'm going to get into my little thing here, is that when you talk about running or something like that and getting into that, you'll hear people talk about flow. Okay, so getting into a flow state. And um, there was a really famous psychologist named Csikszentmihalyi who talked a lot about getting into these flow states. And they talk, they, the sports experts, talk about people like Jordan, you know, would get into these these moments. This is why people like rock climbing and these really intense sports because you have to be solely focused. Mm -hmm. All right. So absolutely. That's why I said like contemplative prayer, walking in the woods, Ornish talked about walking in the woods with no earphones in, you know, so things like that can be very meditative. I have patients who like to do long motorcycle rides with no radio or anything. And it's very, very meditative. Okay. So, but the one thing I will say is I often get people who say to me, I can't meditate. My mind is too noisy. That's the point. So there's a lot of misconceptions about meditation. We could do a whole other one about just meditation. But here's the big thing. The first thing is people will go, you know, I tried it. It just didn't work for me. Again, that's like saying I sat down at a piano and I wasn't ready for Carnegie Hall in five minutes and therefore I can't play the piano. A, it takes practice. B, the biggest misconception about meditation is I'm going to clear my mind. No, you're not. The Dalai Lama has said he can't can't clear his mind. And, And here's the thing. One of my teachers would always say, let's imagine you could clear your mind. What earthly good would that do? We could give you anesthesia and clear your mind and you wouldn't come out any wiser. So, So here, this is why it's so important and why it's so powerful. The point is not to clear your mind. The point is to accept your mind for how it is. When you get into meditation, I'm going to recommend a couple of apps here in a minute that I also have no financial interest in, by the way. But when you sit to meditate, instantly your mind is going to wander. So whether you sit and you're trying to watch your breath, you're trying to look at a visual aid, you're listening to a sound, you're doing a mantra like in transcendental meditation or Tibetan Buddhism, instantly your mind is going to wander and you don't even notice it. But then at some point you notice my mind has wandered and you you come back to your meditation object, back to your breath, back to your mantra. Mm -hmm. Instantly it's going to wander again. Back you go, back you go. What are you doing? You're doing bicep curls with your mind, okay? And so you do get better at it. But the point is not, I'm going to clear my mind. Oh, I'm going to clear it. Oh, I can't clear it. Oh, my God, I can't clear it. You're never going to clear it. Right. So, so when we get anxious, we have panic attacks. 
we're worried about the future because, oh my God, I'm getting divorced and what's going to happen to right. my children or to my house or to, you know, this person was supposed to be the love of my life. I made a vow before God and all this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, but so when those thoughts come, we don't try to push them away. The famous meditation master Thich Nhat Hanh used to say, we just lost him recently. He used to say, you have to think of your thoughts like a crying baby. You scream at a crying baby and go, fucking quit it. It's not going to do anything. You hold it and then it stops crying and you put it aside. So what happens is the metaphor that's always used in meditation is that of waves in the ocean. Okay? okay. A wave comes from where? It comes from nowhere. It just comes from the water. And where does it go? When it goes away, it goes back to the water. Our thoughts are exactly the same. So we always tend to use negative examples here. But let me use a positive one, okay? Something you wish you could hold on to forever the best meal you ever had, the most in love you ever felt, like the greatest movie or song that you could possibly imagine. You wish you could keep that rapture forever and ever, but you can't. It goes right. up, it goes down. Right. Okay. And so do the bad feelings, anxiety, fear, you know, uh, depression, up and down it goes. And so what you do is you eventually learn and it, it's hard. I am not great at it, you know, and I'm sure once you get a lot of hours under your belt, you get much better. In fact, the medical studies using fMRI show this to be true, but I haven't gotten there yet. You know, but you get to the point where you watch the feelings come and you, it's, it's like, oops, there's that anxiety again. Right. And I'm just going to watch it. I'm not going to judge it. You know, you're not going to die. So even, even your body, oh my God, I'm going to die. You're not going to die. You're in a safe setting. And right. eventually it extinguishes. That's the psychological word. All right. Just like Pavlov, it extinguishes. And so, and over time, you can actually extinguish those feelings. So not easy at all, but definitely worth your time. So I, I want to recommend two apps because a lot of times people do find guided meditations to be easier in the beginning mm -hmm. to have somebody lead you. Now, when I teach people, and this is how we teach children, but I'm in my forties and I still like this. We begin with a walking meditation. Okay. okay. So the so walking meditation is easier. Easy. I'm doing air quotes again, for those of you that aren't listening, it's easier because you have something to do. All right. And so um, when I have patients, I send them an email that has a couple of uh, YouTube videos that are uh, teachers of mine teaching meditation. One of them is a walking meditation. So that's a great way to start, especially if you feel like I just can't sit still. Great. Do walking meditation. Yeah. It's so much easier to, to do it in the beginning. But then also there are two apps. One is totally free. It's called Insight Timer. And I think you can only get it on Apple products. But I only have Apple products, but I recently tried to look for it on a Kindle and I didn't find it. So I think it's only an Apple product. I believe it's put out by the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. It's free. They do have a paid version. I can't figure out what you get for the paid version because okay. it's over 100,000 free meditations. Everyone I know that uses it uses the free version. Okay. And they've got, and they've got really good meditations for sleep and you can do your own timer thing. It's fantastic. Everybody I know who teaches uses Insight Timer. The second one is Sam Harris's app, which is called Waking Up. And so Waking Up does cost money, although if it's too much for you, you can request either a partial or a full scholarship. And according to Sam on his podcast, he says he never denies anybody. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I've been listening to Sam for years and I believe him. So the nice thing about Waking Up is that I subscribed to it maybe a month ago because I just love Sam Harris's work. I worked my way through Sam's introductory course and he actually teaches you, and he has one for every day for the first, I think it's 28 days. So that does cost a little bit of money unless you get a scholarship. That way, at least you can have some kind of guidance for it. Now, there's also Calm, 10% mm -hmm. Happier, Headspace. I have nothing bad to say about this. I just have never used them. Okay. So I don't want to say, oh, yeah, they're great. 
because I don't know, but I mean, I'd be, I'm sure they're great. And if you have one that works for you, there's no reason for you to switch. Although you could get the free one because why not? Right. And so just to wrap up my five things and I'll let you ask any more, any questions. <laughs> so I always tell people at the end, here is the beauty of the five things. Okay. Number one, there's no side effects. All right. So any medicine from a Tylenol to a Vicodin has the potential for a side effect. Medicines are blunt instruments. You wish your Tylenol would just go to your head, but mm -hmm. it goes to your big toe as well. Right. Okay? So they're not precise. So the good thing about the five things is uh, no side effects. And then number two, when I make a medicine change, I only ever make one at a time. I have to tell you, I will not be popular for saying this. I am horrified when I cover for a colleague and they've made two or three med changes at once. I just don't think it's very scientific. Mm -hmm. If somebody comes back and they're doing good or bad, you don't know what it is. You have no idea. It, to me, it's bad science. So I always, much of the frustration of some of my patients, I only do one change at a time. Yeah. When it comes to lifestyle stuff, you can change everything you want. Right. So, so if the next time I see that patient, he or she goes, guess what? I'm in therapy. I'm sleeping better. I'm exercising. I'm meditating. I'm eating more plants, You know, less processed food whole fruits, whole vegetables, whole grains, potatoes are great for you. Anybody who says carbs are bad is a dummy. Saying carbs are bad is literally saying a sweet potato is the same as high fructose corn syrup. Right. That is literally a nonsensical statement. Anyway, we can make all the changes we want. So I'm just telling you, since I, it's evolved over the years as I've gotten more resources and done more research, but I'm telling you that when it comes to self-care, even in my own life, if something is not going the way I want it to go, the first thing I do is I think about my five things. What am I not doing? Oh, you know what? I haven't been sleeping as well. Or you know what? I haven't been exercising as much. It's not magic. And some people definitely need the medicine. I'm not saying don't do that. But we were talking about taking care of yourself. And in the wake of something like a divorce process, the process of divorce when I went through it was hurry up and wait. It was incredibly stressful. Yeah. You know, so, so then like you want to have and no medicines are quick. Even Xanax yeah. usually comes in quickly. But if you can focus on your breath, I will say, uh, I listened to one of your previous people who said, I recommend people do this breathing thing where they do five seconds in, hold for five seconds and five seconds out. I have to respectfully disagree. Because if you look at the studies, this is the secret to breathing. Every time someone says, oh, my therapist taught me breathing, I say, show me your breathing. They almost always are doing it backwards and they do it like this. That is what pregnant people and boxers do. <laughs> All right. So here is the secret. I literally took a 10-week class with the man who holds the world record in breath holding. It was billed to me as this is going to help your singing. Okay. He, he held his breath underwater for over, over half an hour. Oh, my God. Okay? I quickly figured out what he was teaching was an anxiety technique. Because if you're going to go underwater for half an hour, you better be able to control your anxiety. Here is the secret. You breathe out longer than you breathe in. I swear to God, it's that simple, okay? If you breathe in longer than out, even that, that equal in and out, you're gonna activate what's called your sympathetic nervous system. That's fight or flight, okay? But if you breathe out longer than in, you're gonna activate what's called parasympathetic. That's rest and digest, okay? So as a singer, I tend to think in four. So when I do it, whether I'm gonna give a speech, whether I was in my powerlifting days and I had to go, go get up on the platform, so I think in for four, out for eight or 12 or something like that. But you could literally do in for two, out for 20. Whatever you want is fine. But that's something you can do in the moment. You mm -hmm. can work on therapeutic techniques. You know, get up and move around if it's exercise. You know, how's my diet? Can I do my meditation stuff? It can give you, if not instant relief, much faster than most of the medicines I give. It takes a month. 
Right. We got to go up in dose maybe. So those are my advice pieces. We're at 52 minutes. I know. Uh, I told you, I told you. But anyway, <laughs> that's my five things. So there you go. That's why you asked me to be on your show. I know. And I love that. And it's very meaningful to me because those five things are kind of new to me and important. And I want to say too, that I have struggled with anxiety all my life. And probably a couple of years ago, right, you know, when COVID hit, I did go on anxiety medication with the idea that I'm going to do everything else too. Then I got my life coach and I started changing all these things. So I can't really say what actually was the, the ticket, but I think I was on that anxiety medication for nine months and have gone off of it and am a different person. You know, yeah. it's kind of amazing. Medications are tools. If you have a screwdriver and you're trying to hammer in a nail, there's no reason to not use a hammer, you know, right. but at the same time, just like my metaphor of the broken arm, you know, what the goal should be. And some people need medicine for the rest of their lives and it's okay. Okay. That's you. But for the vast majority of people, if we can work in all or most of the five things, I can get the doses down really low. And usually I can get people off of stuff after a while. And sometimes we go back on because life happens, but it's not some kind of a failure if you have to be on it. But I just think people need to know the other options. Because again, remember the way that 99% of your doctors, that's family medicine, pediatrics, OB and psychiatry, which are the main prescribers of psychotropic medicine, the way that they're taught is symptom drug. That's yeah. what we're taught. I was taught that too. And in Iowa, there's this big thing where there, some therapists can prescribe. I know I sound like bitter sour grapes, but I really don't agree with that because they haven't taken the physiology courses. And as far as I know, you know, they're just symptom drug for them too. So, you know, I'm never going to get this to be as known as I wish. Talking about this as much as I can, I've seen it really change people's lives. And I joke with people, I'm trying to put myself out of business. And you know what? If I could get everybody to do all this stuff and I went out of business, I love school. I'll go back and get a PhD and go teach philosophy or something. Like, it'll be fine. I love when people are so into adding value to others' lives. And I hear you because there are people, I have autoimmune things and now the way that I eat, I have no issues. Yeah. Now, yeah, I had to stop having dairy, processed foods, gluten. You know, I changed my life and I would never go back because on the 4th of July, when I let myself have a little bit, I had shooting pains and achy. Yeah. I'm like, I am not. And you just wish that everybody could just try it because it can be so life-changing. So on so many levels, I am just geeking out about all this stuff and I love it. And so, so one of the things I'm taking right from Doug Lyle, the guy that I mentioned, but he won't care, is that any of these things, you don't have to, actually, I didn't think about, this is kind of a joke now that I think about it. You don't have to get married to all those things, all right? One of the things that Doug always says, and, uh, and I absolutely agree with him, is, is you're just running an experiment, yep. all right? And so if somebody asks you, why are you eating that way? You go, I'm just running an experiment. You know, take a month, take two weeks, make it longer than a day. It takes a little longer than a day. Prepare, plan ahead of time. But if it's meditation, if it's whatever else, be like, I'm, I'm just doing this experiment. Right. And you, you tell yourself that because then you didn't fail. You ran an experiment. Who cares? Right. But people get into this thing like, I'm never eating pizza and ice cream ever again, right. which is ridiculous. Of course, right. 99% of people at some point in your life, and then you, then you set yourself up for a failure. This, this is just not going to happen. And so you put that on yourself and it takes time to learn that. 
and and I get it. But like, we're just running experiments here. We're just trying things out. This is what I do in the office every day. This is what I work on people. And I, I see them back. How is it going? This didn't go well. Great. What else can we do? I see myself a lot as cheerleader as much as doctor. And because I have this background in the chaplaincy, which I was basically a therapist in the military, the chaplains are used as therapists. I've done all this therapy, all this counseling, premarital, you know, uh, divorce type stuff as well. This is why I developed this whole body approach. And um, it's, it's absolutely worth anyone's time to look into any or all of those things. I am in complete agreement with you. I don't know if you can just briefly talk a little bit about divorce and how you, I mean, this is, is it going to be too, do, we, do I need to have you back? I think we well, already was, have two yeah. episodes right now. I was actually going to suggest since we're coming up on an hour that if yeah. it's okay with you, it might make more sense to have me back as a repeat guest. And we'll talk about my little post-it that I have here, my classy post-it that I got for you. <laughs> um, I actually have several points that I was going to talk about that I imagine we could fill an extra 25 or 30 minutes with. I mean, it's up to you. You're the host, but it makes sense to me to. I would, uh, I would love to have, have you back because there are some things I want to dig into a little bit more too. Like right. what do you think about fasting? And yeah, oh, <laughs> so I, that forever. Yeah. 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 Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before the saddle up segment and this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my Parenting Plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses and sign up for the parenting plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. So, okay, now that we're winding down, this episode of the podcast, I have my saddle up segment where I ask my guests to get, and I know you've given so many tips, but if there was just one small, easy thing that my listeners could do right away to help them move forward to a better life, what would that be? What I really want is for people to be good to themselves and to be true to themselves. You know, and so any of the five things would qualify for that. But honestly, I truly believe that meditation is the most underutilized tool. And uh, I, if I could change anything about the vast majority of my patients' lives and the people I encounter, I really would encourage them to, I know it's tough, but to work on it and to, you know, understand it's a process. But that tool, the ability to, whether it's relax or feel positive feelings about people using what's called meta meditation or loving kindness, or whether it be focused for those of us that have ADHD and so forth. The fact that you have this inherent circuitry 
in your brain that allows you to not really control your emotions, to sort of accept where things are and not be bothered by them. There's, there's not enough words that I can say for how powerful and incredible that is. All right. That, that is a great piece of advice. And before we go, there is something that I know that's dear to your heart that you want to talk about, the Rent Project. And I'm going to let you talk about that, you know, briefly here. And then I just want to, I want to let my listeners know that we will have this information in the show notes. We'll have how they can, I don't know, do you have a website? I'll have that all in there um, so that they can connect with you. But do you want to talk a little bit about your theater project that you're involved in? Yes, I will attempt to be briefer with this, but <laughs> I, I could easily talk about, talk about this forever. So. I would encourage people to look at our website, which is www.iowarentproject.com, and you can get a lot of information there. So as I said, theater used to be my job. It's very much my passion. I do a lot of work with people in the LGBTQ community, whether it be uh, teens, uh, even younger than that, young adults of all ages. And when I was in high school, the musical Rent came out, and it was the first show I saw on Broadway with the original cast. I got to meet a bunch of them. It was so awesome. It, it changed my life. Made me want to go into theater. And uh, I've wanted to do a production of Rent for a lot of years, but not just another community theater production of Rent and Oh Great, they're singing the song, but to use it for a bigger purpose. So when finally got off the ground, we're partnering with the Iowa City Community Theater. We're actually doing it as a big charity project to raise money for these three amazing LGBTQ and HIV AIDS nonprofits uh, that are local. They, they really extend to the whole Midwest with what they're doing. Um, they have mental health population services that they do. Uh, we really want to do this awesome show. Um, I'm producing the show, so I'm not directing it. I'm actually hoping to get a role in the cast. I want to uh, get them as much money as possible, get them as much publicity as possible. I've hired consummate professionals, the directors, the set designer, the light designer, the choreographer. It's really going to be a special show. I'm really excited. So the performances are in December. Uh, if anybody local is listening, we're actually going to have auditions. We announced them yesterday. Auditions will be in August. So we have a Facebook page, Iowa Rent Project, and then the website. So uh, there's so much more I could say, but that's the brief part. And thank you for letting me pitch it. Of course. I'm so grateful for having you. I mean, Dr. Adam Woods, I just, your five steps, your story has meant the world for me to be able to share this. And it's going to be two episodes and we're going to have you come back. So I just, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for adding value to this world and for being with us today. Thank you so much. What an honor to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.